Chapter 11, Part 1 of Jesse James, My Father by Jesse James, Jr. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Trial for Train Robbery, Part 1 My trial on a charge of being the leader of the band which held up the train at Leeds began in the criminal court of Jackson County, Missouri, February 23, 1899. Of the five cases against men under arrest and indictment for this robbery, my case was selected for trial first. Although I was many years younger than any of the others, and had a reputation in the community that was spoken of by all the newspapers as good. The prosecution claimed that my case was selected for trial first because I was the planner of the robbery and the leader of the band. I believe that my case was selected for trial first because there was no case against any of the other men who were indicted for this robbery except W. W. Lowe, who confessed this robbery. My theory of the conspiracy to convict me is that Lowe actually was in this robbery, that his wife, who was anxious to get rid of him, informed the detectives and he was at once arrested and very damaging evidence accumulated against him by the detectives. I believe that every pressure that the ingenuity of the detectives could devise was brought to bear on him to make him confess who his accomplices were, but he steadfastly refused to confess, owing to some sense of honor that he might have had, or because he was afraid that his accomplices might kill him if he did confess. The detectives then, either by inference or by direct statements made to him, gave him to understand that they believed I was in the robbery. Lowe saw by their statements that the detectives were anxious to fasten the crime on me. Lowe then intimated that I was in the robbery, and at once the detectives promised him immunity if he would confess, and not only that, but Del Harbaugh, the Missouri Pacific detective, promised that his case would be dismissed and he be given a good position on the Missouri Pacific Railroad if he would tell all. Lowe then confessed, not all at once, but piecemeal that I was with him in the robbery. Of course he had to give the names of others who were in the robbery too, and he selected the names of men known to be acquainted with me. They were Andy Ryan, Charles Polk, and Caleb Stone. Andy Ryan I had known almost from my infancy, owing to the fact that he lived in Kansas City and was a member in good standing of the city fire department, and as his brother, Bill Ryan, had been an acquaintance of my father, I came naturally to know Andy Ryan and I never knew wrong of him. Andy Ryan was by no means an associate of mine. I simply had a passing acquaintance with him. Polk I knew very well. He worked at Armour's Packing House when I worked there. I had a little acquaintance with Caleb Stone, an old man of seventy years. The detectives knew that I knew all of these men, and in casting about in their minds for men to associate with me in Lowe's false confession of the train robbery, they probably selected these men almost at haphazard, simply because they knew that I knew them. Certain it is that not a scrap of evidence was ever produced to show that Ryan, Polk, or Stone had the slightest connection with the Leeds robbery, and they were discharged from custody as soon as I was acquitted. My theory as to why the detectives sought to convict me of the robbery takes in several causes and motives on their part. There had been a number of train robberies recently in Jackson County. The detectives were unable to capture the robbers. The railroad companies who employed these detectives were naturally dissatisfied with their failure to do so. This incensed the detectives. When Harbaugh was brought into the case, a man came who was wholly unscrupulous.
He was found not to fail. He would catch someone. Harbaugh knew that if he could convict Jesse James for the robbery, after the failure of all the detectives who had gone before him and failed to convict anyone, it would win him a great reputation. This is why he sought, by a conspiracy, to convict me. The detectives even claimed that a man named Jennings, who was in jail at Springfield, was really Bill Ryan, and that Bill Ryan was in the robbery at Leeds. The detectives knew this to be absolutely false. Jennings is not Bill Ryan. The reader who will take the trouble to follow the trial as I will outline it here will see how this theory of mine is borne out by the facts as they developed, and at the end of the trial, which resulted in my acquittal, the reader will see the cases against all of the other men dismissed, and even Lowe was allowed to walk a free man out of the courtroom. As bearing out my theory of the conspiracy to convict me, I quote as follows from the Kansas City Star of October 12, 1898. Lowe was kept locked up. He was continually harassed by detectives who plied him with questions. Lowe is a Freemason, and so is Harbaugh, the detective. Harbaugh promised Lowe that if he would confess, he would guarantee that he would be given the lowest penalty, his child would be put in the Freemason's home and cared for while he was in the penitentiary, and when his term was up, he would be given a permanent job on the railroad. Lowe has a brother who is an engineer on the Mississippi Pacific Railroad, and the detective sent for him and had him urge Lowe to make a confession. Then Lowe confessed that Jesse James was in the robbery. The twelve jurors who heard my trial and returned a verdict of acquittal were King R. Powell, William Ewing, Albert L. Miller, Eugene McEntee, John W. Durrett, William S. Rogers, Leonard Vogelin, Samuel E. Spence, Joseph M. McConnell, William E. Mullins, J. E. Brohall, and Henry G. Clark. Of these jurors, the star of February 22, 1899, said, The jurors are regarded as excellent men, who will do their duty as their consciences see it. The journal of the same date said, Neither side has been able to find a blemish upon the name and character of any of the jurymen. The Kansas City World of February 23 said, Both sides consider the jury an exceptionally fine one. Every man on it resides in Kansas City and is apparently a man of more than ordinary intelligence. While the jurors were being selected in the courtroom, it developed that detectives had questioned them and attempted to influence them against me. My lawyers were Frank P. Walsh, Finnis C. Farr, R. L. Yeager, President of the Kansas City School Board, and Milton J. Oldham. The magnificent management of my case is due to the skill, ability, and legal learning of these four splendid men. The county prosecutor who represented the state at the trial was James A. Reed, and he was assisted by Frank G. Johnson. Of the interest which my trial excited, the Kansas City Star said during its progress, In all the history of criminal courts in this country, there has probably never been a trial in which there was so much strained attention by the spectators in the courtroom to every word and to everything done, as there is in the trial of Jesse James for train robbery, now on in the criminal court here. There have been many trials in which the public took a deep interest. In this same courtroom, a woman was tried for her life not long ago. It was a most interesting trial, and the courtroom overflowed day after day. There have been other remarkable trials. 
but in all these other trials the courtroom filled with a hodgepodge audience of all sorts of persons who seemed to have come from mere curiosity and were ready to laugh at the most trivial thing but in this trial of jesse james every one of the hundreds in the courtroom seems to have a personal interest in it they watched things so closely the feelings of suspense that seemed to fill the very air of the crowded room the looks of deep and attentive concern on every face are quite wonderful to see there is no levity no laughter and there are no interruptions this deep interest is probably because of the fact that the young man on trial is the son of jesse james the old rough-riding bandit who kept the newspapers of the country well filled with news of his doings hereabouts for a good many years and it is a thing quite remarkable that this young man if he is guilty should have taken up the desperate calling of his father it is equally remarkable if this son of a bandit is innocent and the victim of a gigantic conspiracy on the part of the authorities either to hang him or send him to the penitentiary the jurors seem to be more deeply interested in the trial than jurors usually are in cases they are trying they do not miss a word or an act of the proceedings they are thought by courthouse officials to be jurymen of average intelligence and probable integrity there are four old men on the jury with gray hair and beards none of the other eight men appear to be more than forty nor less than twenty-five years old if jesse james is innocent he is the victim of one of the most gigantic conspiracies ever concocted to convict a man the proceedings on the first day of the trial were reported as follows in the kansas city star i prefer to use the newspaper accounts of the trial because i cannot then be accused of making misrepresentations william w lowe the principal witness against jesse james in his trial on the charge of robbing a missouri pacific train near leeds on the night of september twenty third last was on the witness stand in the criminal court all yesterday afternoon and a part of this forenoon lowe told how he had known jack kennedy and andy ryan for many years when lowe lived in independence and they lived near there he talked about meeting kennedy here in kansas city last winter and said he was an alibi witness for kennedy in kruger's court and that jesse james was a witness there for kennedy too that Lowe and Jesse met there for the first time, became acquainted, and kept up this acquaintance, which led up to the train robbery. Lowe told every detail of the robbery with great minuteness, giving little incidents, such as whom they met, what routes they traveled, what conversations were held, and every little thing that was done. They planned first to rob the train in the early part of September, he said, but Jesse postponed it because his uncle was in town then. They planned it next for September 21st, but it rained hard that day, and it was postponed again. Lowe said that while planning the robbery, he was at the home of Jesse James several times, and the night of the robbery, the party started from near there. He described the interior of James' home and drew with a pencil before the jury what purported to be a plan of the interior of the place. He said there were in the robbery himself, Jesse James, Andy Ryan, a man who was called Evans, who was a stranger to him, whom he had never seen before or since, and two other men, one an old man, who were introduced to him by Jesse. They were called Charlie and Harry. The police claimed that the man Evans was Bill Ryan, in jail at Springfield for the Macomb robbery, and that the men called Charlie and Harry were old Caleb Stone and Charles Polk, both under indictment now. But Lowe would not identify Caleb Stone yesterday in the courtroom. That was a dramatic incident of the trial. 
it was during the cross-examination of Lowe by Mr. Walsh, lawyer for Jesse James. Caleb Stone sat at the end of the lawyer's table, right behind Jesse James, and facing Lowe and the jury. "'Whom do you say were in this robbery with you besides Jesse James, Ryan, and Evans?' asked Walsh. Two men called Charlie and the old man. Describe them. Charlie was about my size. What sort of a looking man was the old man? He was an oldish man. Would you know him if you saw him again? I don't know. Mr. Walsh turned to where Caleb Stone sat and said, Stand up, Mr. Stone. Caleb Stone stood up and looked sharply at Lowe. He is an old man, small in size, bent and slightly stoop-shouldered with gray mustache and chin whiskers, and rather plainly dressed. "'Is that the man?' asked Walsh. Lowe merely glanced at Stone and said, "'I wouldn't identify him.' "'Do you think it's he?' "'I wouldn't say.' "'Does it look like the man?' "'I can't say. I don't know.' "'You saw the old man plainly the night of the robbery, did you not?' "'I saw him there.' "'Did he have a mask on?' "'No.' "'And you don't know whether this is the man or not?' No. Why did you go into a robbery with three men you did not know and had never seen before? Jesse told me they were all right, and Jack Kennedy told me I could bank on anything Jesse said because he was all right. Another interesting point in the trial late last evening was when Mr. Walsh asked Lowe why he confessed to the police. I refused for fourteen days to tell a thing. They tried to get me to tell, but I wouldn't. I waited for these men who were in the robbery with me to help me out, and I waited fourteen days in jail, and they never did a thing for me. I made up my mind that they had ditched me, and I was up again it anyway, and I just told the whole business from start to finish. End of chapter 11, part 1